The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. So anybody notice that it's like, I don't know, springtime now? Isn't that exciting? Like, whoop. Yeah, there's three of you ready for spring, right? The rest of you guys, I get it. Like, you just, you just really miss shoveling snow. I understand, right? I'm excited about spring. Although there's certain things that come with spring that are not necessarily desirable, such as, like, spring cleaning, right? Like, like how about, what, what's the condition of your garage look like right now? Oh, I'm going to be honest. Mine is a little rough right now, okay, right? So you got, you got all the winter stuff that's been piled, that's neatly set aside there, but now like winter's almost gone, then the spring stuff, and I got a bunch of kids, and all the kids have friends, and so all my kids' stuff, and somehow my kids' friends' stuff ends up in my garage, you know, and then it starts piling. Anybody else have a garage that looks something like, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? I'm not going to make you confess to that, okay? Um, but it starts to get a little bit a mess. So, you know, something you got to do regularly is you got to clean out your garage. Now, this is something that we have to do at our house with six people in the family and six people's stuff in our garage and all the different seasons that go along with that. We have to clean out our garage somewhat regularly. Um, and I'll be honest, it's a little intimidating at times. Anybody like, like, man, I got to clean out my garage, but it's such a mess. I'm so intimidated. I just am never, like, I just don't know that I can ever even start. Any, any, any of you don't want to, the bit, job's too big, I don't want to start type of people. Anybody? Let's, let's, I, won't, I won't admit the garage. Anybody just, okay, there's some of you that are like that. I'm like that too a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. We can all grow, right? Um, but here's, here's the thing. Um, sometimes what I, I, I say that I'm going to clean out my garage, and I do it several times a year, but if I were to be really, really honest, what I'm actually doing is throwing away the obvious trash and then rearranging clutter. Anybody else identify with that? Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not cleaning anything. Like, I'll be honest. This is my wife. I don't want me to admit this. Um, but there are probably things in the deep corners of shelves in our closet that we inherited 10 years ago when we bought the house. Right? I, I, like, some of you are like, oh, that's bad. Like, you don't judge me. All right. They're tall closets or tall shelves, right? Um, but most of my cleaning is simply like getting rid of the obvious trash and then rearranging the clutter. Now, now here's the thing. Um, because if the thought of removing every single item out of my garage, because I've thought about this, every single item off of every single shelf, and then making an appropriate place for it and putting it where it's supposed to go, like I should have done when we moved in would take weeks, I think. Like, I'm just, I'm intimidated of that. And so, and so what happens is I, I sometimes I just got to like, okay, one shelf at a time. <laughs> Anybody else have certain things in your garage that have like a space? You've made a space for it. Some of you guys are like, like getting the nervous shakes when you hear me talk about this because you're like super orderly, right? Then there's the rest of you that aren't raising your hands and just leaving me out to dry. I get it. Um, but there's some of you that have very specific spaces for specific things in your garage, Okay. Like, like, there's a specific shelf in our garage for our roaster pan, right? It doesn't, it's a big one. It doesn't, like, fit in the kitchen, right? There's a very specific space where the roaster pan goes, right? It's on that shelf right between the corn cob costume and my golf cleats, right? It just makes sense. 
And so there's a very specific, you think I'm kidding, that's a, that's a real statement. Anyway, there's a specific shelf for those things. But sometimes it, 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 it kind of gets in disarray, and the idea of, of, of starting from scratch is a little bit intimidating. There's some of us that you dream of, of taking it all out and re-putting it all in, but you're a little bit intimidated by that. And those same people are probably the people that do that in life a little bit too. You ever, you ever think, like, man, I just got to start. Man, I got to change everything. Anybody like just completely, I, I got I to, gotta, you think this, maybe not you do it all the time, but you think, I mean, I just, I got to rethink everything. I got to rethink my morning. I got to rethink the way that I do it. I got I to gotta think about, I got to reprioritize. Anybody that just loves to think that way and your brain operates that way? Somebody help me just so I don't feel, okay, thank you. There's a few of you. There's a few, I got to start over. I got to start from scratch. I got to, ah. I'm going to guess your spouse regularly wants to slap you, okay, right? <laughs> Mine does. When I start talking, I got to be careful. I got to guard my mouth when I start thinking like, so I'm usually not actually going to do it, but I start thinking that way and just like, ah, that's no, no. one shelf at a time. You know, and sometimes that's how life is. Sometimes you get overwhelmed. Sometimes you're like, man, I, everything, nothing, things aren't in order like they're supposed to be. I just got to, I just got to start over. We know sometimes we just got to learn how to make room for the one thing. We, gotta, we can't do our whole life at once, but let's, let's just, let's, can I, let's, you know what, maybe let's find a better place for the roaster pan, right? Let's just start there, right? Let's just, uh, let's just and sometimes there's things in our life where we just feel like things are in disarray, and, and sometimes we just got to slow down a little bit and be like, okay, there's some certain things that are important to me that I just got to like make sure I'm making room for, Right? Here's the deal. We live in Nebraska, so there's all the seasons. So you got your lawnmower right next to your snowblower, and like this, like I don't even know where all this stuff is supposed to go. And and you got different seasons of life. And 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 a lot of us, okay, I'm going back to my garage here. It seems like I know all the things that are supposed to be in my garage, but they're not always in a place where they're easily accessible and it creates clutter. Okay, now let me go back to my life. It seems like sometimes I don't have every, I've got everything that I need in my life, but I don't have them in the right order, so life just kind of feels like clutter. Anybody identify with that a little bit? You know, I've been, I've been challenged by this, this concept. This song has, has really been, um, this, this phrase in the song that we just sang has been influential, I think, in, in, in this concept, this idea of making room. You know, if you were in our house churches last month, we, we looked at the verse in Scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and following, where it talks about the early churches. They're just getting started. And it says this, and they devoted themselves to, and it gives a list of things, the Word of God and the prayer, the fellowship, meeting together. Um, goes on, talks about their devotion to worship and serving one another and different things like this. And, and we, just, we just like entertain this idea of what does it mean to be devoted? And this is what it means. Learning to be devoted means that you make room for the things that you value in your life. See, so often we like we have the right pieces, we have the right tools, we have the right things, we have the right equipment, we have all the right things in the garage, but we they're just there's I haven't made room. And here's the problem: because in order to make room for something, you have to make sure that nothing else fills that space. That's the problem. That's probably how the roaster pan got next to the golf cleats. Right? You, you need the roaster pan, so you take and you use the roaster pan, but now all of a sudden I got something else that I brought into my garage, and hey, there's an open shelf, and it takes that space, and now the roaster pan needs to go somewhere else. 
And we do that with our life too. Have you ever, man, I, I feel like sometimes even just the spiritual tools that we get on, uh, from, from preaching or from your own quiet time or, or from hearing the word, like I get something, I'm like, hey, this is great. And I throw it on top of the pile of stuff in the garage. You know, the, the pile of totes and you're not really sure what's in them, but like you're just tired of looking at the stuff. So you put it in a tote and put a lid on it. And then you, the kids go through it when you die, right? Those totes. So I get my new spiritual teaching. I get my new truth. I get my new something, this, this passion that I have, and I put it on the top of that tote. And I love that truth, and, and it's, it's, it's a guiding post for my life until next Sunday. Like, ooh, now we're talking about this. I got to put this one on there. And so you have this pile, and we never put them in an actual place where we get to do something about it. We never actually make room. And our garages look like storage units. And our lives do too. I'm challenged by this. Again, along the lines of, of, of last month's house church teaching, it's like what we do value is the ability to keep our options open. So I want all of the things in the garage so that I can dig for them whenever I need them. But the truth of the matter is then I find something that I haven't used in like years because it got buried underneath all the other things. As believers, I believe we are called to slow down enough to think through our lives, to say, what matters? What are the things that are going to contribute to my health? You know, somebody shared a, a quote with me, and I can't, I'm not going to repeat the quote, but you know how sometimes you read something or you listen to something, and then you hear it, but then you contextualize it in your own head, and you can only remember how you contextualize it, not how you originally heard it? I'm going to share one of those to you. And it goes something like this, and it's something I've just been meditating on for quite some time, is that healthy, mature people do daily what most people do occasionally. And when I thought about that, I thought about this garage, right? Like, I want all the tools to be able to do all the things, because this is a healthy thing, and this is a healthy thing, and that's going to help me, and that's going to help me, but I've not made room for it, so it just sits in a pile. Every once in a while, I, I dig it out. Let me, let, let me give an example. Like, how are we supposed to make room in our lives? What does it look like when we make room for priorities in our lives? Let me give a, a few different examples from a few variety, a variety of ways of life. You know, last week we talked about tithing, giving. So let me use an example from, from money, okay? So let's say there's two households, household A and household B. Household A, um, and, and they both make the exact same. Let's say make it easy, $50,000 a year. That's their annual household income, $50,000 a year, okay? Household A is like, man, I want to prioritize my generosity, I want to prioritize giving. And, and though I, I'm, we're not at a place right now to tithe, let me start at 5%. Let me just start there. And I do think there's value in the prioritized percentage giving. Um, let's, let's say, okay, I can't do this. Let's just do five. I want to grow into it. So this, this household says, I'm going to give 5% of every single piece of income I get, whether it's monthly or whatever it is. They're not big chunks, but I'm just going to give my, my prioritized percentage. 5%. Then there's household B. Household B says, okay, we're not doing necessarily the weekly thing. We like to be able to, we, we, but we want to be generous. We have a generous heart. And so what they do is like, man, when, when a need arises, I want to have the ability to go to meet that need. And so like, so, you know, they go into the year and they hear about a need and like, man, I, this is great. Maybe it's something like RJ and Kayla Johnson who were here with us a, a month or so ago and they're planting a church. I want to give $500 to them. I really want to invest in that. 
That's great. And then, oh, say about four months later, not real long, four months later, they hear about a, a missionary that came in. I, I want to I bless that. And so here's, here, here, here's 500 bucks. Well, three, four months later, so they, they give another one, you know, three times a year. Or so they, 500, and you're like, man, these people are generous. They're just dropping 500 bucks left and right to bless things and kingdom building stuff. And you get to the end of the year and household A has given $2,500 into the kingdom of God. And they're thinking, man, I just want to continue to grow in my generosity. And household B is like, man, I'm feeling good. We're generous. We were able to bless so many different people. And they've only, they've only given 60% of what household A did. What's the difference? The difference is healthy, mature people do regularly what most of us do occasionally. The difference is household A made room in their finances that allowed them to prioritize giving in a way they couldn't do if they did it when they felt it. Does that make sense? And they're probably going, oh, I wish we had a little extra to give to those projects. And yet they've been sowing seed because they made room. It's not the decision in the moment that's most significant. It's the pre-decision and our ability to stick to it. Here's another one. Okay, how about working out? Let's say you don't work out at all. You do nothing active, desk, job, you sit down all day long, that's all you do. And you're like, I'm gonna start working out. You know, 80% of America, January 1st. I am ready to work out. And I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna be active, whether it's walking or whether it's running miles, whatever it might be, I'm, I'm ready to pump some iron. I'm doing whatever it is, okay? So you go to the gym and you're ready to work out and you work out and you work out hard. Like I need to get my body out, you're focused and you're ready to go and you work out real hard. And then the next three days, you can't get out of bed. Anybody ever done that one before? Shoot, I've done it more times than I care to admit, right? But what happens then, you're like, well, I'm not doing that anytime soon. And then a month later, a month goes by, and you're like, you start to forget how bad it hurt. And you're like, man, I really do need to get back into that. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, like, five, five days a week, I'm going to the gym before. And guess what happens? The same thing, because it still hurts, right? And this is what's going to happen. If you don't work out at all, and you work out once a month, you might taper or slow down some of the unhealthy patterns that you have but you're never going to move into a healthy lifestyle at that, at, at that pace, right? Rather than somebody says, I'm going to walk two miles on my lunch break every day. They may never go to gym. They may never pump iron. They may never do anything significant, but you know what? Person B is going to grow healthier than person A. Does that make sense? How about eating? Here's a super obvious one. If you ate one meal a week, tell me about your health. You'd be so, some of, some of us are like, oh, okay, that would probably be good for me for a little while. Um, <clears throat> but that, that's so unhealthy. You wouldn't have energy. You wouldn't have the nourishment. You, I mean, you'd be malnourished. You'd begin to shrivel away. You wouldn't have the necessary, what you need. But instead, we have all prioritized eating because we know it's a means of, of, of health and because food tastes good. Most of us are probably in the latter part of that, right? But we've prioritized that because we need to do this healthy practice on a regular basis. So what do we do? We make room in our schedules to eat, don't we? <clears throat> and maybe it's even on the fly, but we're not gonna just miss it. And if we do miss a meal, we're not gonna miss many on accident. 
There's this principle in life where, where what we make room for shapes who we become. I'm going to say that again because I think, I think it's so critical. What we make room for shapes who we become. You want to know, you want to know what kind of person you're going to be 10 years from now. Ask yourself this question. What have you deliberately made room for? And sometimes you'd be afraid of, of the findings at the things that you, you would say, man, my life is about this and these values and these priorities of mine. But if you look at your schedule, you look at your, your, your bank account, you look at your, here's one we don't talk about much, our, our energy levels, where do you give your energy to? Do you burn your energy out one place and you have none left for what matters in your life? Like where are we, where are our, our resources being consumed? What are you making room for? Like we could from here talk about a, a thousand different um, spiritual disciplines and how we need to do all these kinds of things. Um, and there's, there's value to that. There's certain things in my life that I recognize just personally. Like when I read, I am in a better uh, emotional, spiritual, mental, uh, and, and in turn physical um, health when I read um, regularly. There's just certain like practical things that when I get my perspective outside of my own sphere, I need to look outside and hear somebody else's voice. That's good for me. It means I need to make room for that. If I do it whenever I feel like it, it'll never happen. Okay? Uh, and you get this. And, and, and the, the, the easy one to jump on, right? And, and, but it's so true, is just our, our time with the Lord. Right? Like, if, this is a rule of thumb, not a rule, you, you can disagree, but I bet, you, I, I bet you you fall into this. If I were to ask you, when do you have your quiet time every day? And you say, well, you know, I just kind of like, I, I, I just pray throughout my day. You know what that's typically, I'm not going to say always, you know what that's typically code for? I don't spend time with the Lord. That's <laughs> typically what that means. And, and I don't mean to be judgy on it. Like, like if you say, hey, when, when do you set aside time to fill in the blank? And if your answer is, well, you know, I kind of sort of, I just, yeah, I know what that means. It means that my heart's there and I want to incorporate that and I want to be about that, but I've just thrown it in a pile in the garage of my life. And every once in a while, I, I dust it off and I use it if I feel like I need it. And then we wonder why 10 years from now or 10 years ago, we're in the same spiritual maturity level that we were then or we will be then. God has more for us. But we've got to do our due diligence to make room for that which is going to take us to the place that God desires us to be. And let's just put it this way, the place that we want to be. And I'm not, you know, and it's not just about, I want to be the type of person who can pray for four hours. Okay, great, that's great. Go do that. That would be really good for you. I want to be the type of person who has memorized the whole New Testament. Wonderful. Give yourself to it. How about this? I want to be the type of person who can have the worst news ever delivered to them, and though it might hurt and sting, my peace is unshaken, and in the midst of hard times, my faith never wavers. I want to be that kind of person. So, have I made room in my life 
to make sure that I'm growing into that person? Or am I just, is it just wishful thinking? I'm just going to keep going to church and hope that somehow, even though going to church alone has not necessarily revolutionized my, my life yet, but I'm just going to keep doing that and just think that somehow spiritual maturity is just going to blossom out of it. Guys, I think you should go to church. I'm a pastor. I, that, that's kind of like what I do, you know what I mean? Um, so keep going to church. But if our pursuit of Christ only exists in these four walls, you know what? You'll survive, maybe. What God's looking for is people who will make room. People who will make room for the things that are on his heart. You know, last Wednesday night, I was, uh, the song was playing Make Room, and, and, and something that just this struck me on Wednesday, <clears throat> it's like so, just this thought, like, man, so many of us, myself included, we, we don't, we're not in the place that we want to be, that we desire to be, in our character, and our attitude, and our dealing with our own emotional, personal stuff, and overcoming some of the offenses that we're holding on to and allowing God to heal the hurt, like all this, we're, we're, we're not where we want to be. And it's just, it's just this picture, it's just because we've not made room for God to heal those places. We've not made room for God to speak into our lives. We've not made room. If we make room for it, God will meet us there. And then we say, and then there's the, the bridge, right? Shake up the ground of all my tradition. And I just got this picture. Like we're not a super traditional church. I remember when we were working with architects who are churchgoers to design this building, but they're like from a little bit more traditional background and they're like trying to put wood on everything. Some of you guys are like, oh, that'd be great. Like, no, we just want a blacked out stage. You're like, well, I don't understand it. All right? We're not necessarily the traditional church, okay? You guys get that? But as I, we were singing that song, I just thought the traditions that need to be shook, shook up in my life are not necessarily the really religious ones. Sometimes it's just this tradition of my morning routine that I can't let go of. It's the tradition of how I end my night. It's the traditions of, 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 of the regular aspects of our day that are taking up room that need to go to the things that God values. So it may not be a religious activity to shake up the ground of our tradition like with the Pharisees. Maybe it's a practical reality that we just got to say, what in my life has to go? What ground in my life needs to get tilled up a little bit so I can go like, no, no, here's the best place for this in my life, and I, I've not made any place for it. I, am I willing to let go of things that I've always done for so long in order to replace it with the things that God desires in my life? All right, I said from the outset, I said we're going to talk about worship. I just wanted to set the stage like, like, we're going to talk about worship, but so often when you talk about worship in church, our minds instantly go to what happens in a setting like this. And we're going to touch on that next week a little bit, but today I want to, we, we, we got to lay some foundational stuff. You know, there's people that say, oh man, I'm a worshiper, that's my gift, I'm a worshiper. Let me just challenge you. And maybe you are. I know there's some worshipers that you worship all day, every day, worship music playing, you're singing, you're, you're lifting up the name of God. You are worshipers. But let's just be really careful. Let me just tell you this. If the next time you sing a song of praise to God is in this building, I would challenge that you are really a true worshiper. Right? I worry me, churchgoers, 
But worshipers worship, right? Worshipers worship. And maybe some of us, we've never even thought about it. Wait, you mean I can worship God in my living room? You can. It's awesome. You should try it sometimes. I can worship God in my car. You don't understand how bad of a singer I am, right? Listen, this is my favorite thing. In my own car, when I'm driving by myself, I turn my music loud enough so that I can sing at the top of my lungs and not hear my bad voice. And in that moment, man, just me and God, we are there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to worry about the distraction of even my own. Like, man, I love it. <clears throat> Something God's been teaching me personally is that this, 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 the personal commitment to worship. I mean, obviously, worship is good on your own. You should go do that. Yeah, yeah, But this, this, this idea of making room and the value of worship in a personal setting that God has brought to my attention over the course of the last several months. And I want to share with you why I feel like Scripture speaks so strongly to this. In January, January a bit, we looked at John chapter 4. And it's the story of Jesus and this woman who's at the well and she's hurting and she's got a past and she's got issues and she's got hurts and she's all of these things. And Jesus comes and he just presses on through all of her barriers and through all of the walls that she brings up. And, and he says this, I've got water for you to drink. And this is, let me read it for you. <clears throat> it says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, speaking of the water in the well. He says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I'm talking about water is making me thirsty. Whoever drinks this water, the water I give them will never be thirsty. I love this. I love this idea that Jesus presents. The water that I give, the water that he gives is himself. Like if you come to me, if you stay here at my feet, if you drink the water that I have, if you drink me in, you'll, it's, you'll never be thirsty. I think sometimes our mindsets are just a little bit off on this topic because it's like uh, Jesus is there. That every time we get thirsty, we go take a drink. That's, all, that's accurate. We can, but that's not his desire. Like listen, he desires for you and I to walk so closely with him, so in step with Christ, that our souls never experience the dryness, and you know what I'm talking about, the dryness of a parched soul. It's something that those who walk with him don't have to experience. Will we experience hardships? Yes. Setbacks? Yes. Will we face challenges? Absolutely. Do we ever have to be dry? No. What does that look like? Well, it looks like lots of time with Jesus. What it looks like is drinking deeply. Here, now, so what does that look like? I, I, I just, if you read down a little bit further, that was verse 13 and 14. Verses 23 says this. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. I just can't get this thought out of my mind. That Jesus is seeking certain people. Think about this. When we talk about our quiet time, when we talk about your time with Jesus, what are the two disciplines that we talk about the most? What are, what are, what are the two disciplines we talk about the most? Somebody help me. Bible and prayer. I think I heard both of them right away. 
Right? We, also, we need to pray and read the Bible. Do we? Yes. You should pray lots. You should know the word. Really good idea. And yet this is what Jesus says. I'm after people. I'm looking for people. I'm seeking people. And what kind of people? They're the ones that, that they're not, he doesn't necessarily say, I mean, obviously there's plenty of texts that say you should read the word and know it really well. There's plenty of texts that say you should pray, 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 and then pray a little bit more. I get that. But in this context, what he's, he's not talking about people who study the word. He's not talking about even people who pray a lot. This is what he says. The father is looking for worshipers. And I think he's searching Monday through Saturday as much, if not more, than he is on Sunday. This has challenged me, friends. I'll make room for Bible and I'll make room for prayer, but am I making room for worship? The problem is this is harder. Because I can read my Bible half, half checked in, half checked out, right? Worship is real hard to do that way. Either you go through the routine of worship and you feel the deadness of it, or you lean into Jesus and you feel the life-giving water of God from it. But it takes intentionality. I want you to hear this. Okay, so Jesus says, come to me. I'm living water. And then he says, he's, Jesus is looking for worshipers. Here's something just to reinforce this as well. Psalm chapter 100. Psalmist writes, shout for joy. I, I, just, I just love this. Like this, this, is the, this is how I want to live my life right here. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Verse four, we've heard it before, we'll hear it again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So if Jesus is saying this, I've got water to give you and it'll bubble up inside of you, this, 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 this living water. He says, essentially, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me. I'll, I'll quench the desires of your soul. Come to me. It's found right here. And then the scripture then also says, how do we come to him? It says, we come to him, enter his gates of thanksgiving and his courts with praise. When we come to Jesus, we need to come in worship. So what does that mean? To come in worship. You know, it's really easy. We read passages like Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, right? Where it says, um, I urge you, brothers, to, to, to give your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And we go, man, I'm going to give up my life in service of God. This is my worship. That is 100% true. Everything that we do when done to God is an act of worship. But can I, can I just give a little caution on, on going there real quickly? If we're just aware of our own society that we live in, just, just we know, we recognize that we are in a society that values production, right? It's why we love to tell people how busy we are. It's why we love to stay busy. It's why we, it's embarrassing to tell someone when they ask, what'd you do yesterday? And you say nothing. You don't want to tell someone I took a nap. I'm a grown adult. Am I right? right? We value being productive. We value doing. And so I just want to caution us. I'm not, 
Romans 12, 1 and 2 is absolutely true. But let's caution us. What happens sometimes is we can say, I'm going to do my doing for God, and my doing is my act of worship, and we never come to a place of full surrender before our king. All we're doing is ascribing Christian-y language to the busyness that is robbing us of closeness with Jesus. My service of the king is worship. It should be. But I'll tell you what real worship is. Simply put, it's, it, it's, an, it's an intentional expression. That's an important part of it, right? Worship is not just something that you feel in your heart. Read or study the Bible. Find when people worship God. They didn't just stand there with their hands in their pocket feeling all the feels. Worship is an intentional expression of recognizing who he is and recognizing who we are. I'll say that again. Worship is an intentional expression when we recognize who he is and who we are. When I come to that moment, it doesn't matter what's on my plate. It doesn't matter the hurts that I feel. It doesn't matter how scary life is. It doesn't matter what's before me or behind me. When I come to the moment when I see him as fully as I'm capable of seeing him. It often and should allow me to see me for who I am. And I don't mean like dirt and scum, though it depends on what my day was like. Sometimes I feel that way. But I see myself as a son of God humbled that he would dearly love me in awe of his splendor and his plan and when I respond to him that's worship can I be honest can I tell a story on myself God has been working this in me for a long time. Like, man, you got to make room for this. Like, there was a season where I was like, I, I'm going to discipline. I think I shared this here. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to listen to and sing along with one worship song a day, every day. And I'll tell you what, when I do that, man, God does something. And it's not necessarily like it changes my day, but when I do that consistently, he changes my life. But lately... If I'm going to be honest, like, I have a lot of other things in the garage. Good things, right? Like I said, reading, that's been a priority right now. Like, I've been made a, a goal to read some more. And just logistical things. This is how things get pushed out. I'd made a space for worship. 
part of that was incorporated in my drive when I'm in my car by myself. I put on my favorite worship song. Like I said, I just worship along and it just, it just prepares your heart wherever you're going. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do good things for wherever you're going. And so that was a part of it. But what happened is that now I had this goal of reading books. And so I started picking up audible book, audio books and I started listening to audio books. And that's great. And I was growing. But guess what? That used to be a space that I made room for worship. And it just kind of got ended up at the bottom of the pile. And then little things, like Beth started doing this thing with the radio. So I started listening to the radio station a little bit more often. And, and good radio station, Christian station here in town. I was listening to that. And it's not that it was bad. I didn't do anything wrong. It just, it just took the space of something that was better. I, I made room. And then, then other good things just kind of pushed it to the side. And I'll be honest, this week, it was one of those weeks where I, I started too early too often. I ended too late too often. And I got tired. Anybody else do that to themselves? All right, and then you're emotionally, you just like, and you want to tell you, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, but I'm tired, right? And it starts affecting not just the physical, but the emotional and the mental. And I'm just, just a little drained. And I got to the end of the week and I'm just like, I'm tired. And here's, here's the confessions. I got to church today, I didn't want to preach, guys. I didn't have energy left. I burnt it in the wrong places this week. Or maybe the right place, I don't know. Sometimes life happens. I didn't guard that enough, but I was tired. And then I felt embarrassed that I'm about to preach on the importance of making room for worship in your life. And I was like, I don't want to preach or worship. But I, and what, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> it was just because I needed to preach a good sermon. Um, I think, I, I genuinely believe, I was just like, I, but I believe it. So I got to church real early today. I, I, convinced that what I was about to preach works. <laughs> Obviously, this wasn't part of my sermon last night, so clearly my sermon wasn't done yet. <clears throat> but I get to church early and I'm like, God, I'm going to worship until I meet you. Because I can't, with any kind of conviction, stand up in front of your people and preach something that I haven't lived this week. I wish I would have lived it earlier this week. But I didn't, I didn't make that room. I did, but then it just got pushed out. And this is the beauty and the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I hit play on the next song on the playlist. And it was that song, Build His Church. And I was in, <laughs> uh, and I was just like, that's not really the song I was expecting. That's not going to take me to where I need to go. I, I wasn't like jaded. It was just tired. You know what I mean? I wasn't like, oh, I don't want to be here. It was just like, eh. You, you've done that and come to church. Don't, don't judge me, all right? And Build His Church comes on. And I just choose. Before I felt it, I was like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship. I just began to sing. I'll tell you this. There's a difference between listening to worship music and worshiping with your voice. Just try it. And I began to sing. And I began to just worship God. And there's this, there's this bridge. You know Maverick City, how they have like 47 bridges in all their songs. Well, one of the bridges in the songs is not one that we sing on Sunday morning, and it's not one that's even on their YouTube video, but if you go to Spotify, there's this bridge, it's one of their long endings. And it said this, it said, 
it, it talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It says that the gates of hell will not prevail. And it said, keep walking, keep teaching, keep preaching. And right here, standing right there, just like overwhelmed by the mercy and the compassion of God. I just felt seen. Still tired, but I felt seen, and I didn't know I needed to feel seen. And here's the beauty: I didn't pick that song because it would work up the right emotion. I just knew that I had to make some space. It didn't matter if I had an unfinished sermon to preach in a few hours. I knew that if I didn't meet with God, then if none of it mattered. And in his grace, in like seven minutes, he had me in tears right here up front. There's some of you that are facing some things. That you just need a whisper from the voice of God. And I'll tell you when he whispers, he whispers when we worship. Because this is what I found when I recognize who he is and I come to a place and I humble myself, I recognize his authority. You know, it's easy to recognize the authority that God's global sovereign authority. God, you're in charge, you're the king, yada, 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 yada. But are you the king of my life? That's a different story. I'm sitting on the throne of my life and I know you're up there. But when he shows up and sits before us, when he shows up in the room, is our response to instantly kneel, to understand who he is. And in light of him, I understand who I am. See, this is where worship begins. But you know what else? That's also right here. This is also the same posture that is required if we're going to receive from him as well. Sometimes we get this all mixed up. We try to go to God and we try to like generate this worshipful thing and try to create this thing where I can receive. And that, that, that's not healthy. And it gets confusing because the truth of the matter is sincere worship is understanding this very reality that it starts at his feet. Worship starts at the feet of Jesus, recognizing who he is, recognizing who I am. And when I'm in that position, all like I see him seated on the throne. I see him in charge of all things. I recognize and honor his authority and it puts everything else in life in place. And it's in that position that we receive anything that he wants to give us. It's in that position where we hear that still small voice of God. It's in that position. We don't, we don't go there to receive. We go there to worship. But in that moment of worship, God just bends down and he gives you what you need in the moment. He gives you what you didn't even know you need. Friends, we have felt needs, but, and we can try to fill those all day long. We can try to figure out what God would do in this situation, try to fix it, and sure, use wisdom. But it's in the place of being at the feet of Jesus where God will whisper something in your ear. God will give you what you need in a timely moment, and it will change you. 
Worship positions you to receive. And as God has been revealing to me to this over the last six to nine months, I'm realizing and I'm wondering, and just in my own personal life, if we put so much of an emphasis on other spiritual disciplines that we forgot the very thing that, like, that God says, I'm looking for worshipers. Come to me in worship. Enter my gates through praise. It is in acknowledging his sovereignty, acknowledging his authority, that we even have an audience with him at all. So God, forgive us for personally regulating that to Sunday morning. I was reminded today. He desires worship for me all the time. So where are you going to make room for it? If you don't have, have, have that place of quiet time in your life, start there. And it doesn't matter what that looks like. Pray the whole time or a little bit or read the word a whole time or a little bit or, or journal what God's speaking to your hearts. But I want to challenge you this week, even if it's just for this week. Worship. We have access to worship music all over the place. In fact, if you don't know where to start, go to our website, go to the resources pages. There's a link to our, our Spotify worship playlist, which is all the worship songs we sing on Sunday morning that you can just listen to. It's not us, but you get it. Start somewhere and let's worship because when we come to the feet of Jesus, there's a living well of water that begins to flow from us. You don't have to be thirsty anymore, friends. But we got to position ourselves to worship and position ourselves to receive from God. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.